Welcome to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. This is episode 18, and we're continuing in our series called Working From Home Responsibly. We're recording this on April 7th, 2020, trying to help people address some challenges that they may have with online meetings. We have a guest today named Sherry Sutton, who's going to share seven steps to having an effective online meeting. Welcome to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast, the only podcast that makes corporate social responsibility easy. Now, here are your hosts, Barbara Anderson and Janet Craig. Hi, my name is Barbara Anderson. I'm one of the founding partners of Destination Better, and we're the company who brings you the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. I'm excited to introduce Sherry Sutton. She's the Chief Unlearning Officer for Positive Impact Force. In this position, she educates businesses, helps to improve teamwork and project management, and facilitates meetings using the Appreciative Inquiry Framework. As part of her mission, Sherry focuses on training the whole system and specializes in frontline employee training to help the most important members of any company stay connected to their work and to the vision and mission of the organization. Sherry holds many certificates to support her work, including being a certified practitioner in learning and performance and several certificates in appreciative inquiry and expressive arts. Hi, I am Janet Craig, the other founding partner of Destination Better and co-host of the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. And Sherry, we are so excited to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Sherry, we've had a few weeks to adjust to this kind of new work life. Barbara and I have had to completely move our podcast studios into our own homes. (laughs) Everyone's working a little differently now. And also kind of our, the whole dynamic of our in-person meetings has changed. And as a person who is an expert in really getting groups of people together to have really great outcomes, we still need to be productive. And that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. But what are your thoughts on this change? Well, A lot of it is we weren't, in some cases, having really effective meetings before we moved them online, and so that could impact us greatly, and part of it is really just considering the mindset and the outcome that we want to have for meetings. And so when I put together the seven steps, that's really the first thing that we need to think about is why are we having the meeting? Like what is the objective or the purpose of really having the meeting and gathering people together? And is a meeting the most effective way to do it? And so when you think about people being at home and being online, you have to think about the mindset of your employees. And I actually talked to a friend of mine the other day and she was in a meeting that did not follow these seven steps. And I knew that because she said to me, I felt like I was in like a peanuts episode. The people were just (laughs) right, because she really wasn't engaged. And so part of being effective now is to really say, what's the objective of this meeting? What do I want to happen? If I'm just conveying information, then maybe I could just create a video, I could just record myself and send it out. If I just want people to know things, but I really want it to be personal for me, Or do I want to get feedback? Do I want to get their opinions? Do I want to find out more information? That's a great time to have a meeting. And so you really just want to look at what's the objective and what's the outcome and what do I need to happen and then create your meeting around that. So I guess step one is um, figure out 
not only is the objective for the meeting, but do you really need to have a meeting at all? Right. Could it be an email or, you know, do you want to get people together? So yes, definitely. Okay. That's a great step one. So write an objective for the meeting. And I think, uh, Sherry, I've heard a lot of organizations are using Zoom meetings really just to kind of connect people and to foster, remain that kind of sense of camaraderie. But maybe not everybody needs to be at every meeting, right? That's true. Like when you're looking at your meeting, you want to see who are the attendees that need to be at the meeting. So you'll look at your objective and say, for the outcome that I want to achieve, whose voice needs to be heard? And that's really how you'll choose who needs to be in the meeting. And if it's for camaraderie or teamwork, there might be another way that you could do it besides having a meeting. So when I invite people to a meeting, and usually like when Barbara and I were working together and we had a team together. There are different roles and responsibilities. Barbara is really, really great at making agendas. Like it's some kind of superpower she has. <laughs> I am the person who's like, no, we need to put a time. We need to put a time stamp on that agenda because we've got to keep people like going, right? Because this is what we need to accomplish in this period of time. So working virtually, it's kind of like, I don't know, it feels kind of weird now. So do you have a tip about how we can still manage in this like virtual age and still have the outcome that we need. Okay, so here's my tip on that. And I recommend you do this before you create an agenda. And I have been doing this for years and it's super fun. So I would create four roles. Now, if you're not gonna have four attendees on the call, you might have to wear two hats, but one person should be the facilitator of the meeting. And this is gonna be a really important person. And I wanna add that the facilitator is not necessarily the one that's always talking. So when we talk about the agenda and the different action items, you might have a subject matter expert talking about a subject, but the facilitator is the one responsible to make sure every voice is heard and that people are engaged. And so the facilitator is going to have the very important role of making sure, you know, some people are introverts and some people are extroverts. And you really want to make sure that a couple of things are happening. One, that they're being heard. And two, that you're allowing them space in the meeting, right? So when you ask someone a question and say, what do you think? You're going to have to pause. And silence for people is awkward, right? We don't like that uncomfortable Mm -hmm. silence. If you wait, though, if you just pause, somebody will fill it, right? But you have to give them the opportunity. And that's what the facilitator is going to be really responsible to do. And it's a crucial aspect of meetings if you're getting feedback. So you'll have a facilitator and they'll just make sure the conversation is flowing and that you're getting input. And then the second and I'd say equally important role is your timekeeper. And like you just said, Janet, that's going to be the person who's really responsible that you stay on track, not only for the total time of your meeting, but to begin on time and for each subject. So that agenda, we'll talk about really how to map out a good agenda. But when you map out a good agenda, you say, we're going to talk about this topic for eight minutes. We're going to talk about this topic for five minutes, right? You're going to set timeframes around the topic and that timekeeper is going to make sure and they can work with the facilitator in advance to send them notes, but their job is to make sure that you stay on track. And even if you're talking about something and it goes over, right? Like, let's say we we only assign 10 minutes on the agenda, but then we start having this rich conversation that's really important. The timekeeper is going to interject and say, 
we're, we're running into our time, right? We're nine minutes into this 10 minute topic. And the facilitator is gonna need to decide if A, they wanna continue with this topic and table another agenda item to stick to your time frame for the meeting or table this topic for a future meeting. So that's gonna be really important, the facilitator and timekeeper working together. The other roles we recommend are a recorder and they would take minutes in the meeting. If you're doing an online meeting and recording it, right, using a feature like Zoom or GoToMeeting or um, Jitsi, whatever your online platform is, then you don't need the recorder because that job's being done by the technology, but you still need a reporter. And the reporter's job is to take everything that's being said and kind of bullet it out into action items. And at the end of each topic, your reporter should say, okay, we just talked about X. So Barbara, you're going to do this by then, by this date. Yes? Or Janet, your responsibility is this by this date. And so that's what that reporter is doing is really capturing those action items, which you're going to document and send out at the end of the meeting. And then your last person that everybody loves right now is your technologist. And that's going to be the person that's going to be helping you with your platform. So whatever online platform you use, you might have the option of raising your hand, right, through the technology or chatting, or you might be able to tell the speaker to speed up or slow down, or that technologist is going to be the one that's helping to run that and making sure that all those things go smoothly. So they're going to be very important. But that's what I recommend. I recommend that you have a facilitator, a timekeeper, a technologist, a reporter, and if you're not recording it, a recorder to take full minutes. And if you have all of those roles in your meeting, you're going to be set for success. I have a quick question about facilitators. Yes. If you have someone who, I'm an extrovert, but say that you have someone who's an introvert, but they yep. do need to have a meeting. And they do need to be a facilitator, but maybe they're just not super, super comfortable because, um, I don't know, in the past when they were doing in-person meetings, maybe they didn't have to step into this role, but now they do. So do you have any tips for people that are not just naturally not used to facilitating where they would have to make a decision in a meeting or like raise their hand and say that we're, you know, we're kind of like, we're, we've got to move on to this next subject or something like that? So my, my best tip would be just to tell them to, in advance, right, to plan how they're going to handle that. And so you can really, and for introverts, I mean, I'm an introvert. So before I get into a meeting, even though my job is a facilitator, it's kind of funny, but <laughs> before I go into meetings, I really have to have that mindset of, right, I'm, I want to be extroverted. I want to be, you know, where I need to be, I might run around or yell and scream or, or I do something to really make sure that I have the energy and the mindset. And if you're really uncomfortable doing it, you can just share that with people. I would start out the meeting and say, hi, I want to make sure that we stay true to these topics. And so if we're running over, I might have to say, like, those are great ideas, but we really need to move on to the next topic. I just want to let everybody know that, you know, I'm not being rude. And we're going to talk about 
about team agreements, but that might even be a team agreement that you have is that we stay on time. So if anybody seems abrupt in their transition, then we're going to use the word of, you know, abrupt transition or something. And then everybody knows that that's what you have to do. But I would be very direct and honest. I would get that in the team agreements and I would really set my mindset of knowing because your team is really looking to you to keep things on track and make sure that it's relevant to them and really respect their time right now because your employees have so many roles that they didn't have before right they might be homeschooling they might be taking care of elderly people they might be making calls they, they have a lot of things that they're responsible for and really letting them know that you appreciate and respect their time is going to go a long way to having really effective meetings these are such, I love these tips for the different roles, Sherry. And I was in a Zoom for two hours last night and there were, I think, 10 or 12 of us. And there were two people who never spoke the entire time. And so I think the extroverts like myself, I think we talk because there is that quiet air, right? And But I, we're still respectful of the introverts, but I think they just almost feel defeated that they can't work their way in. And so to Janet's point too, I think for those who are uncomfortable, feel uncomfortable in interrupting or correcting or, you know, changing course to say those things at the front of the meeting, mm -hmm. then is so much easier to do it later. Right. So people expect that this is what's taking place. So-and-so didn't all of a sudden become a jerk because they changed topic or whatever. It's because this is what we all kind of pinky sweared going into the meeting that this is what we're going to take place. So I think roles are really great. So tell us a little about having an agenda and how you structure that. So the agenda is so critically important, like Janet said, for every meeting. And if you have someone that's good at it, that's awesome. But the agenda is really just going to give you the information, kind of the overview of how the meeting's going to flow. And when you have it done in advance, it really lets you make sure that you should be having a meeting. And so I say to leaders a lot of times, if you don't have time to make an agenda, you don't have time to have a meeting because you're really not going to have an effective and efficient meeting. And so what I like to tell people is it was kind of the baby boomer age, right, that brought meetings into the workplace. And for so many years, I've heard people say like, oh, meetings, right? They roll their eyes or they don't want them. But <laughs> we really want to change that because meetings are such a great opportunity that we have to really make them actionable and decision-making opportunities to get feedback and to move forward. So if we could kind of shift our mindset to we want our meetings to be really effective, to create action and to move us forward, then the agenda is the tool to do that. Because if you create the agenda, you'll know whether you've a really good experience. And so the things I would put on the agenda are the things that we've talked about. I would make sure on the agenda you have, you know, the Zoom invite or the phone call, right? Are you going to make everybody come in with your cameras? Some companies are doing that now. Let people know that in advance, right? And I know you're going to do an etiquette series, but it's really helpful to let your employees know the etiquette of, of being on camera, right? That's going to be really, really helpful. And make sure they know how to use the tool, like whether they're hiding themselves or not. And then if not, if you have a call-in number, then you're going to have to be prepared for how to navigate that and make sure your technologist is aware of that. And then you're going to have the attendees, everyone who's invited, so everybody knows who's invited. And when you send out the agenda, you can say, are we missing anyone? 
right? And so you can make sure you have the right people there. I would put the objective of the meeting right on there so people have the mindset of knowing where you're going. And then I would put some other things on there. And that would be these team agreements we talked about. Mm -hmm. And what we agree to as a team, I would make, you might even want to have a meeting about the team agreements and just make sure everybody's in agreement on that so that you can set them. And I would put your mission and your values for your company on the agenda. And the reason why is because those values that you have, the core values in your organization, those are really the compass, right, for employees to follow when they're making decisions. And so when you're in meetings and you're doing them effectively, you're probably making decisions and creating action. And it's really, really important that people look at, does this support the mission of the company and where we're going? And does this support our values? And giving people the opportunity to speak up if it doesn't. So I recommend putting those on every single agenda to keep them front and center, right in front of, you know, everybody's eyes. And so they're on their mind when you start the meeting. And then below that, I would put the action item, who's going to talk about it. So the subject matter expert and the amount of time. And then of course, the roles would be listed on the top for who's going to be the facilitator, the recorder, the timekeeper, the technologist, and the reporter. And so everybody will know in your agenda, who, what those roles are, so they'll know in advance. I would rotate those roles whenever possible to give different team members a chance to do it. It's a great way to get an introvert really involved in the meeting if they could be the reporter, right? So at the end, they're going to tell you what the action items are or who's doing it. Um, it gives them a great voice without having too much pressure on what they're going to do. Like I wouldn't make them the facilitator off the bat unless they're willing to do that. But that agenda, once you put it together, you should be able to say, yes, having this meeting, I'm going to have actionable items. This is going to be a great meeting. And then you're able to send it out. So I think it's super important. And as one who does enjoy putting together agendas, thank you, Janet, for that. This <laughs> is a number of different topics that are um, going to be on our download, which I maybe didn't mention earlier at destinationbetter.com slash 18 so that you can get all of these great tips and strategies from Sherry. And I would add that as you, as you create an agenda, and I'm sure this is the method to the madness too, as you start to think about how are you going to use this time of these important stakeholders you can then kind of reverse engineer what you want the outcome of the meeting to be, right? So if you think it through, instead of just letting it be happenstance, you can then orchestrate and not in a evil way, but just to think through what is the purpose of this meeting and how can it be most valuable and thinking kind of with the beginning with the end in mind, if you will. Well, hopefully that's part of the objective process for you too. Right. So really where I think in the I, hopefully in the objective process, you've thought about why you're having the meeting and what you want to happen. And in the agenda, that's really going to be the key time to make sure you have the right attendees mm -hmm. to do that and that it supports your company values and your mission. Because if you think about that yourself before you call the meeting, then you're able to convey that to the employees. Great. You know, that's my passion that everybody is connected to that all the time. So, yeah. So on that subject, I think you should change your title or your tagline, Sherry Sutton, making meetings cool and productive. 
There you go. Right. So that there are no more rolling eyes when we say we need to have a meeting that actually it's maybe meetings will get cut down now. We'll, we'll, We'll have less meetings. They'll be more productive and people can get on with the busyness of having family and work and pets and everything in one space and trying to be productive and and balance it all, right? Yeah, that is one of my like goals is that people say, I love meetings, right? That's what I want you to say. I love meetings because at the end of a meeting, I know that I've contributed, I have actionable items, I know what to do, and I have a clear direction. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think one of the things that I love about the roles and the facilitator and having all knowing, and you're an expert in this, knowing that you have all these different personalities. When I spent at the beginning of my career, and we talk about this in one of our other podcasts, I spent almost 20 years in a manufacturing environment in commercial printing. And I had 50 employees, and they were all very, very different. So if we had what we called a plant meeting, not our production meeting where we just had leads from the department talking about what we need to get done that day. But when we had a plant wide meeting and we had 50 or 60 people, there always was like a person who spoke on behalf of everyone else. But now that we're kind of like working virtually and we have to work together virtually in a very efficient manner, I think that recognizing some of those things and putting together kind of like a it's almost like a team mission statement, you know, is a really great thing. So I want to talk a little bit about how people can overcome some of those fears of taking part in a productive meeting by what you call creating team agreements. So I, uh, I think you really just said it very, very well, but team agreements are just going to be something that all of us on the team agree on. And so if you think about it in a live setting, we probably did this a lot in meetings about cell phone use, right? Remember when we got in meetings, we would say, well, do you have your cell phone on or off, right? There's always the person under the table looking. And so we talked a lot about that. Well, at home, we still need to have these team agreements on what are we going to do in the meetings. And so some of the team agreements you could think of is, um, did everybody have a vote? One thing that I've been able to do in meetings is something called the three finger rule. Have you ever done that? No, as long as it's not the middle finger rule. No, no. So we've we've done things before and we've said like at the end of a topic, we're going to vote, right? And so everybody votes. So from one to five, how comfortable do you feel about this topic? And then everybody just holds up their hand at the same time. And so I would say like, how comfortable are you are with the decision to do X? Everybody vote now. And so you hold up your hand one to five. And so anybody that has less than three fingers up, so two fingers or one finger, then they have the floor and they get to talk. Because if you have three fingers or more, then you're pretty much on board with that decision. And so we want to hear what the people that aren't on board with it so we can get all of the information. And so that's one thing you could do as a team agreement is to say, I call it the three finger rule. Some people call it the five finger rule. And you can decide as a team what you want it to be, right? Maybe it's only people who have a one finger up get the floor, but that's a way to agree that, you know, we're only going to hear from the people that have an objection to what we want to do and to get a feel for how many people are on board. Um, You can have a a rule of one person talks at a time 
right? And that'll be an etiquette thing of how people raise their hand or how they go next. You can have a team agreement about pets. And I know you'll talk about that in the etiquette, right? How you want to handle having pets because that's become a big issue or interruptions or having your video on or off, whatever you want those agreements to be. If you set them as a team or as a company, then everybody knows what the rules are. And it's so helpful on meetings because then you understand the expectation. And so a lot of times when people are disappointed in meetings or they don't feel heard or it's because their expectation was maybe the facilitator would call on them because they were quiet or they had an expectation that everybody would, you know, I don't know, have silence in the background and then there's noise in, in the background. And so this sets a kind of a level playing field. So everybody goes in with the same expectations and you can put it on the agenda so that everybody sees it. And then you can agree upon what happens if we don't do it. Right. And so I've seen all kinds of clever things that people have done. Like, well, what happens if we don't do it? Well, if we don't do it, then maybe people make a noise right? Or, you know, something's happening or, and so I've had teams do some really fun things, um, you know, duck call or just, just anything to bring everybody's attention back to the team agreements in a very respectful way that didn't call people out or make them uncomfortable. And so I highly recommend having the team agreements because it just, like, we just all have so many different expectations depending on where we are and what our mindset is right now. And that really helps everybody, you know, say, okay, well, I'm in this meeting and this is how we act in this meeting. So in this space, I want to do this. And so I, I think they're really fun and you can do anything you want with them. Like whatever works with your company culture, you can include in your team agreements. I love that. You could like maybe put your hat on or take it off yeah. for something. Yeah. And also the use of technology. And as you said, Sherry, we're using Zoom, which Janet and I've used for years now, since we've got customers all around the world, we love Zoom and have always had great luck with it. And all of the tools now have some sort of a voting, a polling feature, or like you can raise your hand or do the little applause thing. So there's also the use of technology, especially I think if you have larger teams. And as we go through meetings, I'm traditionally a, a big note taker. And so talk a little bit about the importance of taking and, and then distributing the minutes. So the minutes are going to be really important for a, a multitude of reasons. One is you want to document the decisions that happened in the meeting. Two, and I probably should have talked about this in the agenda, but this is a good point. You want to document the action items of who's going to do what when, because that's going to be the first item on the agenda for the next meeting. Ooh. And so whatever happens in this meeting that you say, this is what, you know, we decided Janet's going to do, you know, this by this date. When we have our next meeting, when we start the meeting off, we're going to say, let's review the action items from our last meeting. Janet, did you do this? Barbara, you committed to doing this, did you? And then let you report out. And I've been using this for years, online or offline. And I had somebody one day say to me, we hate going to meetings with you. And I was like, really? I love meetings. Like, I, I think meetings are the greatest thing ever. What do you mean? And I try to make them fun, and I try to have these agreements. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, you always hold us accountable for what we said we would do, so we don't like to come. And I was like, that is fantastic. Like, it's the best thing I ever heard, right? Because you only have to do that once or twice. And what happens is when somebody's come into your meeting, they check. 
to make sure that they've done what they committed to doing. And that's what makes meetings really effective, right? We said we were going to do this and we did it. And so that's a great way. So taking the minutes and really recording what people said they would do when, and not everybody's going to be able to go to your meeting. So really having the minutes either documented or recorded so that I can go back and listen to it, or I can read it, then allows me to be accountable for the information. But if you don't have good minutes, then you really can't be accountable. And if you have somebody like Barbara, it sounds like you have that skill that's good at taking minutes, then they know how to capture just the high level, write the important, and then give a few details. If you have someone that's writing down every single thing that people say, then it becomes more like, you know, war and peace to read. So you want to give them some guidelines on that. But with the way technology allows us to do it, I really recommend just recording it. And then the people who can't be there could listen to it later and they get the full feel, right? Everybody's facial expressions and, and what people thought. But that part where you record the action items, that should be distributed, I would say within 24 hours after your meeting, 48 hours maximum, to really let people know these are the action items that you committed to. Let's put them on your calendar. Let's make sure they're part of your project plan. Put them on your task, however you do your data. Yeah, you could even use the technology again, like the chat feature, so that everybody can see what their assigned responsibilities are. I was on one yesterday, and it was great because they had, as you said, the different roles. So someone was demonstrating an online product, and then there was somebody else who was just fielding questions in chat and responding. So you could see in the feed who was asking what question, and then that person was responding or somebody else was. So you can almost kind of have two meetings at the same time or use those tools to document. There was like a Q&A button, and then there was a chat feature. And so they were being used differently, but gosh, it was like productivity on steroids, right? Because you had so much going on that you wouldn't normally have even in an in-person meeting. So you can actually, in many ways, be more effective, right, Sherry? Oh, yeah. And that's part of what your technologist is going to do. And when you look at a tool like you've talked about Zoom, I mean, Zoom has the opportunity. I can move people in different rooms. I could have them have one-on-one conversations or brainstorm something, bring everybody back to the big group, have them report out. Like there's a lot of features that you can use in the technology that really can make it so effective and you can get a lot done in a short period of time. That is a feature that I didn't know of. I yeah. mean, we need to learn that one, don't we? I know. Yeah. yeah. When Sherry does what she does. <laughs> so Sherry, on your last tip, which I think is super, super important, and, and we all have been in corporate before in all of our corporate rules, we were allowed to solicit or give feedback in certain ways. How do we know remotely and working in Zoom and GoToMeeting and all these things that this is actually like, how do we know we're on the right track? We ask. That's kind of the rule for everything, right? If you want to know what people thought of the experience or you want to know how it's working, ask people how it worked for them. So I recommend using a survey tool. Um, There's tons of them out there. You could use Google Docs. However you're getting feedback and information, you could even send an email and ask for feedback. But I would ask people at the end of the meeting, did the meeting meet the objective? 
Did you feel heard in the meeting? And was this a good use of your time? And any information or feedback that you have to add to that? And if you make that a practice, your meetings will get better and better and better. And then what will happen is when people see your meeting requests, they'll be like, yes, right? this is going to be fantastic. And they'll be super excited to be part of your meetings. That's amazing. Wouldn't that be great if everybody felt like that? You yes. Could, it actually happen. Maybe this is one of the positive outcomes of a really not great situation is that we can um, kind of get back to being a little bit more efficient and mindful of our time and the different personalities that we work with and people's different strengths and things like that. So this has been just really amazing and eye-opening. And, you know, I love a good process. So anytime anybody gives me steps and a methodology to follow, I'm going to be like, yes, that's for me. So just a reminder to our listeners, because we always have a download for you, you'll be able to find Sherry's seven steps at destinationbetter.com slash 18. And that's the number one eight. And Sherry, thank you so much for being here. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, how do they find you? Well, they could find me on LinkedIn, or they could find me on Facebook as Sherry Sutton, or they could go to my company website, which is positiveimpactforce.com. And another thing I'll send over to you, um, Janet, since you're providing downloads for your listeners that might be helpful, is just an outline of the agenda and the meeting minutes that I use to send the action items. You can change those however you want, but it'll just give you kind of the framework that I use and that might be helpful. So I'll get that over to you today. And I really appreciate you having me on to talk about meetings because I love meetings. <laughs> I love that you love meetings. I think that that is your, that's your superpower, Sherry. You're so passionate about it and the detail that you have put in here is really great. And so just a quick little recap of your seven steps that people can download, as Janet said, at destinationbetter.com slash 18. Number one, write an objective for the meeting. Number two, determine who needs to attend. Three, create roles and responsibilities. Four, create an agenda. Five, create team agreements. Six, distribute the minutes. And seven, solicit feedback. So thank you for sharing that. And as we said, we've got a lot more detail that Sherry's provided for each of these, as well as a sample meeting agenda, which is a, it's going to be a really great tool for anyone at destinationbetter.com slash 18. And in our, um, this series, Working From Home Responsibly, as a reminder, we've had some great um, interviews, haven't we, Janet, with folks on how to de-stress, about nutrition, about remote work strategies. This one was Sherry. And then we've got some upcoming that are on um, taking care of yourself, kind of a self-care. And then one, a fun one that we're going to do on pet etiquette on Zoom too. So a lot of good stuff in this series, working from home responsibly. So thank you for joining us. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. Find tools and additional episodes on our website, destinationbetter.com. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a voice message on our contact page. Don't worry, Barbara and Janet aren't millennials. They actually listen to voicemails. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram.